Hello and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of AZ Vineyard Church. This week, enjoy the podcast as truth is revealed in God's Word. Go get a notebook, grab a Bible, and expect to have an encounter with God today. Isn't God good? All the time, all the time, all the time. All right, so let's, let's trudge on. So last week... Um, we talked about social justice, and I read this this week, and it, it, it kind of sums it up. If you didn't hear the sermon last week, we talked about the meaning of biblical social justice versus the world. We talked about the motive. Why do we do social justice? Why is it important? And... Um, Today, we're going to get to the meat of the matter. Last week, I was all dressed up with my heels and everything. What am I wearing today? I've got my jeans, I got my walking shoes, and I got my Hope Dealer shirt on because now it's time to put the rubber where the road is, right? We can talk about it all day long, but if we don't do anything about it, we're just talking. And I get tired of hearing talk. I know lots of us get tired of hearing lip service, right? So I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to encourage and challenge is my hope. So today we are talking about the mission. So I read this, and it says, Social justice is a catch-all term that has gone through many seasons of being in vogue and then going out of favor, often suffering from competing definitions and vastly different interpretations. It's like silly putty, that popular substance. Who in here is old enough to have played with silly putty? Please raise your hand. Oh, I'm so thankful I'm not the only one that played with silly putty. That popular substance we used to play with as kids that can be twisted and contorted into whatever shape your heart desires. Boy, wasn't it good to stick it on the newspaper? Isn't that how we see things today? We stick it on the newspaper and then we stretch it to meet our needs or meet our agenda. Cartoons Cartoons were the best, yes. Don't be fooled or distracted by the word social and social justice. Many Christians are more comfortable with the word justice, but if Christ is truly Lord over every aspect of our lives, then clearly this must also include the social realm. Jesus is the answer to societal problems. And I could walk off the stage and not say another thing, stage, platform, whatever. I know people get offended by whatever this thing is called. I could walk off right now and you would have gotten what you need for today for the price of a mission. (laughs) Jesus is the answer to societal problems. So last week I said something. I pulled out my Strong's Concordance, right? And I said, there's no justice in the New Testament. It's all in the Old Testament. And we talked about that, right? Upon further research and study, I found that the word for justice in the New Testament is the Greek word Dikaios. I practiced that. Ready? Let's say it together. Dikaios. Dikaios. And it has several meanings, including fair, right, or just. But it has mostly been translated to righteousness, and we think of piety when we think of righteousness, but it's supposed to include that dimension of justice. So I want to look at a few verses that... Um, in the original Greek, contain this word dikaios and add justice to that word righteousness and then we'll get a fuller meaning of what that is because 
righteousness and justice are like twins. They go hand in hand. You can't have righteousness without justice. You can't have justice without righteousness. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. And I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version. And I think my lovely and talented folks in the AV booth, they try to hide out. They think they're so incognito back there, but they're amazing. We love them. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and say it with me, and justice, for they shall be filled. Let's look at Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 16. Everybody there? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness, and say it with me, and justice of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, they shall live by faith. So are you getting a little fuller meaning? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we'll start in verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. John's a bountiful sower, so I like to hang out with him. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We always think about this verse with money, right? God tells, we hear it a lot at church, give your offering, be a cheerful giver. But this applies to every aspect in our life. Give, give our uh, time, give our energy, give our positivity in our homes instead of waking up a crouch, cr- grabby crouch, grouch. Well, that was hard to say. A crouchy grabby? Wow, whatever. <laughs> God is able to make all grace. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor his righteousness and justice endure forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness and justice while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God, while through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. Okay, so we're getting an idea that righteousness and justice complete each other. So the mission of social justice is when the Holy Spirit gives us direction 
And that gets coupled with our deep willingness and passion to alter the plight of humans who are suffering. We see it every day, right? Everywhere around us. There are many compassion ministries or mercy ministries that extend help and support for people who are suffering due to injustices. This in and of itself is a good thing. It's really good that we are meeting needs, but it's only the start. It just scratches the surface. Being moved with compassion to make a difference is the start, but we're called to work to fix the source of the problems our society faces. As Christians, we are, jo- we are to join God to bring justice, mercy, peace, and hope to a world that desperately needs him. We have to start asking the hard questions. We have to get to the root of the problem, right? Rhonda has a life group on Thursday nights that's just wrapping up called the Cleanup Crew, and we've learned that we have behaviors, we have reactions, we have dysfunctions that are just on the surface, and when you get deeper, you find out what caused those things to happen. So we eventually have to be willing to go deeper with the Lord to truly find the sources of the issues in our own personal lives, and the same is true for societal problems. We have to ask the deeper questions. So some of those questions might sound like this. Why are so many people homeless? Why are so many people's lives being wrecked generation after generation by divorce? Why are there so many African Americans that are incarcerated in comparison to other races? Why are there so many children in the foster care system? Why are there so many young women seeking abortions? Why are there so many children and adults being sold into slavery? Why are there so many people living in poverty conditions? Compassion responds to the effects of these problems. Biblical social justice seeks to address their systemic causes. So let's look. I want to read a story to you. This book is amazing. This is called The Social Justice Handbook. It's written by May Elise Cannon. I picked this up at the Vineyard National Conference, and it took me like a year to actually pull it down and start reading it. I'm so glad I did. But I want you to listen to this story. A man went to the river one day and noticed that someone was drowning in the middle of it. He quickly swam out to save the drowning person. He brought the person to safety and attempted to catch his breath. A short while later, the man noticed another person drowning in the river. He mustered up all of his strength and dove back into the river water to save the second drowning victim. The second person was brought safely to shore. By this time, the man was exhausted and had a hard time breathing. Several minutes later, as he looked up, to his dismay, he noticed a third person floating down the river crying for help. Once again, feeling he didn't have a choice, he dove into the water to save the third person. However, the man was so tired from having saved the first two victims that he wasn't able to continue swimming, and he drowned. The man's response to the drowning people was one of compassion. His efforts were based on his love for them and his desire for them not to suffer, and his efforts made a huge difference to the first two people. The rescuer was certainly a compassionate man. However, if the man had driven up the road along the bend in the river, he would have noticed someone at a factory who was throwing people into the river. The abusive man was the source of the problem. If the compassionate man had intervened at the factory, that would have been an act of justice. You see the difference? Yeah. So Jesus was moved with compassion, but he got to the root of the problem with people. 
And the poor guy drowned trying to save people. Have you ever felt like that? I know I have. I know I have felt, I can't, I'm just one person. I can't save everybody. It's because we really need to stop trying to save everybody and we need to listen to where God's working. The first thing we need to do to have heaven invade earth, and that's truly what changes things, is to pray about the things the Lord gives us a heart of compassion for. So there are certain things that God will put on your heart that you can't turn away from. It keeps you up at night. It makes you sick to your stomach. You just, you can't tolerate it. There's your, there's your starting point. Then we need to ask the Holy Spirit, who do I minister to? It always starts with who. Jesus is about people, not programs. Who do I minister to and what is my part? Social justice becomes less about what and more about who we are called to prioritize as followers of Christ. So often we get ensnared in disagreements around the what in relation to social justice because it deals with often controversial and contentious issues like budgets, taxation, labor laws, social protections, safety nets. I mean, we're in an election year. We're hearing a lot of this stuff, right? And it can be very, very contentious. Instead, we should start a space of common ground. Don't you love that word, common? Mm-hmm. Common ground around who? God calls us to be concerned about. In other words, what is predicted by who? Starting with what often enables our ideologies to trump our theology and spirituality, and it doesn't leave a whole lot of room for the creative solutions God might have. Like the old saying, we put the cart before the horse. As Christians, the... I'm sorry? (laughs) As Christians... We put the cart before the horse. The part before that. Okay. Starting with what often enables our ideologies to trump our theology and spirituality and doesn't leave a whole lot of room for the creative solutions God, I have, may have, but God does have. Let's just say it that way. Okay, one more time. Starting with what often enables our ideologies to trump our theology and spirituality and doesn't leave a whole lot of room for the creative solutions God has. Like the old saying, getting the cart before the horse. Mm, So good. So the building blocks of social justice in our Christian minds as we build should always start with a foundation of human dignity, human flourishing, and the sacredness of life. The source of social justice is God's perfect righteousness, justice, but ultimately his radical love. Once we figure that out, we figured out last week we talked about how much God loves us and we move out of that. We can take his love and take his love and take his love but we have to we have to have that conduit that that feeds so that means we have to take risk and we have to take action 
In my experience, as soon as you're truly willing and you have surrendered to him, he'll give you your next move. So it's kind of like God sees us as this big chessboard and each of us is a piece on his chessboard and he's got the plan of how we are going to change the world for better. But we have to be willing to be that chess piece. I've heard it said, our lives become change in God's pocket to spend however he pleases for his glory. It's not about us. It's about him and what he wants to do. So I have some observations I want to share with you. So um, this is kind of an example of, of compassion, doing something and how it leads to deeper getting to the root of the problem. So I don't know, I'm getting older, but a few years ago, we'll just say it that way. That makes me feel better. A few years ago, we decided, and I don't even know who started this, but, and John, if you remember, let me know, because my memory, you know. Um, we started going into this neighborhood uh, south of MC85 on like 4th Street, you know where the food city is, anybody familiar with that area? And we started going down there, and we started joining with some other churches, and we did, it was called, we called it Cities for Christ. We have all these cute Christian names, don't we? Anyway, we called it Cities for Christ, and we would go into this neighborhood, and we started cleaning up empty lots. Basically, we partnered with the city, and um, Bert Hagen, he's not here this morning, but they're celebrating 40 years of marriage. Yay for them. If you're seeing me online, go, go Bert and Mindy. Um, but Bert would bring out uh, heavy equipment from Stoats Equipment, and they started cleaning up, we started cleaning up lots and partnering with the city because in these empty lots, there were some abandoned buildings and stuff and there was a lot of drug activity. There was, I mean, my kids used to go out there with me. We found drug paraphernalia. We found a gun. We found, you know, all kinds of stuff. They were using these abandoned buildings for prostitution. I mean, it was not a nice neighborhood. I did not want to move in there with my family. It was one thing to go and do work there, whole nother thing to live there. I can't imagine. And... So we started with that. And then we got to know some of the people in the neighborhood and we started helping them with their yards a little bit because we had some elderly people in the neighborhood and some people that needed help. So we started building relationship. So we started with, okay, these lots really need to be cleaned up. That'll make this a better place. And then we started building relationships and we got to know some of the people in the neighborhood because we went out every month. And then we found out there was a lot of people down there that were hungry and needed prayer and had some, had some issues. And so we cleared a lot and we took a grill and we started making meals and we take, took meals door to door. We saw people healed of cancer down there. We saw, oh my gosh, I can't even remember all the testimonies of God moving in that neighborhood. And we would take the, the little clamshell styrofoam things and we would take them to the door and we'd knock on the door. Hey, would you like some meals? Of course they, you know, who doesn't want a fresh cooked burger and you know, all the sides and all that. So we, they would take the meals and then we'd offer to pray for them. So we started praying for them. And then community started being built. And one of the ladies down there started a Bible study in her house. And people would go to her house. I remember we all got together and adopted one of the families down there and took bikes and stuff for Christmas. We built relationship and they, the people in the community, started building community. So the dirty lots were not the problem. We had compassion and, you know, we didn't want the drug activity and all that in this neighborhood. So we started with, let's go clean up the lots. And guess what? 
In my experience, as soon as you're truly willing and have surrendered to him, he will give you your next move. So we did one thing, and then that led to another thing, and that led to another thing, and that led to another thing. And the next thing you know, we're cooking food, and we're ending up eating it because they're like, oh, no, we're good, we're great, we're doing good. We worked ourselves right out of an outreach opportunity because they didn't need us anymore. Isn't that how God works? So, you know, that's easy for me to say I'm the pastor on the pulpit, at the pulpit. But I want to share some testimonies of people in our congregation that do crazy, outrageous things that you guys probably don't even know about. So I'm going to start with Mindy. She's not here. But I have, Mindy, Bert and Mindy have a house in Mexico, and we've gone down to stay in their little house in Rocky Point and go relax at the beach, right? Mindy does not know how to relax. So she decides that she's going to partner with some people she knows down there, and Mindy does not know a stranger. She knows everybody. And if she doesn't know you, she'll meet you, and then you'll be her friend, and then she'll get you into doing something with her because that's how she works. I went down there to relax in Mexico on the beach. We ended up going into the neighborhoods and feeding the poor with this big pot of soup and stuff. I'm like, okay, this is cool. This is fun. She had been collecting clothes and things to take to this one neighborhood that was very low income, I mean, below poverty. And what a blast. It was such a blast. And then we found out, because you know how it all goes along, we found out that um, they had a nursing home They call it the home of the third age in Mexico. I think that's kind of cool. Your first age is a kid, second age, you're an adult, and third age, you're elderly. So in Hispanic culture, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not Hispanic, as you can clearly see, but in Hispanic culture, people tend to take care of their elderly. They move into the house. They have several generations living in the same home. Well... There was a handful of elderly people in Mexico that had no family to take care of them. And so they had this, this nursing home called Casa de Hogar. And we would go and play Lotería. Did I say it right? Yes. yes. All right. So we would go play Lotería, which is like bingo. And we found out that these sweet little old people did not have a hot water heater. They were taking cold showers like once a week to stay clean. And so Mindy, being Mindy, partners with some people down there, raised enough money to put a hot water heater in the nursing home. How cool is that? I think being 80 years old and not being able to take a hot shower is an injustice. It may not seem like an injustice comparatively, but I wouldn't like that. So that's awesome. Um, And right now, Mindy has partnered with the, oh, she told me the name of the organization, She is going to all over the United States and doing disaster recovery after hurricanes. And she partners with Arizona Southern Baptist Disaster Relief. So she sent me a bunch of pictures, which I didn't have time to show you. I wish I would have, but she sent them to me last night, of her in full Tyvek suits pulling sheetrock down from flooded houses. She... um, She's done digging mud out from flooding. She's been in Texas for hurricane, um, the last hurricane that came through. I mean, it's crazy. And she's a lady like my age. A little lady like my age. 
but God put it on her heart and she moves and she does something about it. And probably most of you in here knew nothing about that, right? Because it's not about people knowing about it. It's doing what God puts on your heart. Now, Bertha's not here either, so I'll pick on her. Um, Bertha had two family members die during the COVID-19 up on the Navajo reservation. And her heart was broken for her people because they have like three grocery stores on the whole reservation. And it's huge. It's huge. And a lot of these people live in houses with no running water. That, and it, it was, they go to a central place to shower and get their water. They truck it to their homes. So, I mean, we can't even hardly wrap our minds around that kind of thing. But she, in response, decided to partner with people. Hey, let's do this. Let's gather food and water and cleaning supplies and let's take it. And I think we, she's partnered with people and they've done six trips up to the Navajo Nation, different places. That's been a blast. George and I got to go with, one, with her on one of the trips. That was, that's been cool. Um, Commander Martin and Arlene with the Royal Rangers. They felt that everybody in the world should have clean water, right? They should be able to drink water, not have to walk miles and miles and miles and miles to get water. So he and Arlene and the whole Royal Rangers team started collecting cans and bottles, and we were bringing them in here to church. And how many wells? Five wells and one drilling rig? Okay, so do you see how he did something? They did something? Mary Ellen, can you stand up for a second? She has the coolest shirt on. Come here so everyone can see it. So Mary Ellen has a heart for kids going through crisis. And her shirt says, for those of you and those online who can't see it, blessed are the quilters, for they shall be called peacemakers. So she has um, buckets and buckets and buckets of fabric that were her mother's that got, and she, you, how many quilts have you made now? I haven't gotten any of them completed, but I've got about four quilt tops made. God told me to make 50, just the quilt tops. Okay, so do you hear this? God told her to make 50 quilt tops, and she's never made a quilt in her life. Sometimes God calls us to stuff that we don't know how to do, and we get to learn, and we get to learn a new skill. And Mary Ellen's a little older than I am, and guess what? God's still using her, and he has great plans for her to bless others through this quilting ministry. Isn't that cool? Because she doesn't want to see kids. Her plan is to give them to firefighters and policemen. So when they have to go into a home and possibly take somebody out of the home or those things when kids are really scared and in crisis, they get a quilt. And she's going to have embroidered on there that they're loved in each corner of those quilts. Has it completely gotten done yet? No. But when we have a dream of something that God's given us, Sometimes it takes a little time for us to be ready, for the, the um, recipients to be ready. Everything's in God's timing. So my mom, who's here, she has had a heart for the homeless for probably about, what, 20 years or so, Mom? Over 20 years. And she... Okay, so my mom prayed for 20 years 
for God to show her how to help the homeless, what to do for the homeless. And she would stop and she would offer food and give them some money and try to help them. I know she was even giving people rides, places and stuff, which, yeah. Anyway, we won't go there. (laughs) But I helped ministry started. And guess who is there every Monday night? She stayed home for a little bit during the COVID lockdown. And every Monday, I know her heart was grieving that she couldn't be here to minister to her people. So the I Help Ministry is Interfaith Homeless Emergency Lodging Program. I forget that we, I just think everybody knows about it, but not everybody knows about it. So basically what we do, we are a part of that. We house on Monday nights. So they come in at four o'clock, they have their bags checked, and we provide a meal, we provide ministry, they sleep here, they shower here, and then they go out the next morning. They work with a case manager, and she um, helps them get a plan so that they can get out of homelessness. So... Um, the, the program is for people who are motivated and want to be out of homelessness. Um, so mom says mostly what we do is we love them. And yes, yes, we do. Mom hugs them and she holds them accountable and she is amazing. Um, we have a lot of people that have been involved with the I help ministry because not one person changes everything. It's a team. Um, we have a I'm looking around the room here, and we have a lot of people on the team that helps with the iHelp ministry, and it's making a difference. Um, I know my friend Karen has a heart for mentoring women, and it's like you could just see it happening. You could see Holy Spirit just drawing women to her, and she just ministers so well, and I know that's something God's put on her heart, and I don't know how long that's been on your heart, but probably for a long time, and and she's really moving out in it right now, which is amazing. Um, Dawn and Irene Hammerquist, they ended up adopting three children that were not their own and raising them as their own for the last 11 years, and this has not been easy. All of their kids were pretty much grown, and it just, it blesses my heart to serve God with people who are willing to make a difference. Um, My friend Stephanie back there, she just started a new job, and I hear her talking. She, she does um, cellular service, consumer cellular, and she talks to mostly elderly people on the phone. And I'm not sure if her bosses know this or not, but she uh, makes sure they're on the right plan, and if it saves them money, better yet. Not only that, but she listens to them, and she ministers to them, and she cares for them because God put that in her. And I could continue for a very long time going around the room talking about all the different things I've seen you guys do. So it's not about me, and it's not about you. It's about him, and it's about what we can do to change the world together. So my question is, what have you been hearing? What things have you seen in this world that breaks your heart? Have you took some time to dream with God about solutions? That's the fun part. I have a building out here. It says Southwest Valley Chamber of Commerce on it, but that will be my building someday, and I'm going to minister out of that building. May not be this week, may not be next week. It might be 20 years, my mom says. She prayed for 20 years. Are you willing to move in his timing? So I want to read Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 7 out of the message. 
Okay, so we're going to start in verse 7. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests the crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Who does the crop work in us? God. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. So I know some of you sitting here are tired, tired of waiting, tired of things to move. So let's read verse 9 again. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Is it okay if the crop doesn't look like what you thought it was? Is it okay if the crop takes a whole lot longer to come up than what you had planned or anticipated? Are you okay if the crop comes up really fast and needs to be harvested tomorrow? Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, right now, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith or in our homes, right? Can't change the world if you hate your family. Now, in these last sentences, I want to emphasize... An, well, we'll stop there. We'll stop at verse 10. So, this book is really cool. I mentioned it earlier. The first, uh, maybe third of the book talks about social justice. The last whole bunch of it has ways to get involved. It has 83 different social issues. And I thought of one more. There's probably a lot more if we really dig into this. It goes from A to Z, from abortion to working poor. The one that I thought of dealing with um, our neighbors experiencing homelessness, that's not in here. It has physical handicaps, but it doesn't have mental health. Our mental health system is broken. It's a reason why a lot of people, when we ask why are so many people homeless, that's a biggie. How do we deal with that? We pray. We ask Holy Spirit, what do you want us to do? So if you're interested and you want to go deeper, this has really cool like ways to get involved with different organizations, all kinds of stuff. I suggest getting it and finding out how you can plug in. This is a start. This is a jumping off spot. Because sometimes we're like, there's all this stuff, but what do I do? This gives you some nuts and bolts of how to plug in and how to, how to get involved in different organizations that you can get involved with. Now I want to end with a song, and then we're going to pray. We're going to pray for God to start um, stirring up, if you will, bringing stuff to the forefront of our minds, the things that he created us for, the things that we're going to have so much excitement and passion to do 
Because once you start doing the things that God has called you and created you to do, you can't get enough of it. So I want to, um, I want to play this little video for you. Can you guys do the video? And then we'll end with prayer. Full of trouble now. I thought, how do we ever get so far down? And how's it ever gonna turn around? So I turned my eyes to heaven. I thought, God, why don't you do something? Well, I just couldn't bear the thought of people living in poverty, children sold into slavery. The thought disgusted me, so I shook my fist at heaven. I said, God, why don't you do something?
All right, so I need everybody to stand up, please. I want you to put your hand on your heart, because that's where it starts. Heavenly Father, we want your heart. And we want your wisdom. We want your strategies. We want your creativity. Father God, I ask that you would show each and every person in this room how you made them and who you made them for. It's not about what, it's about who. So Lord, I just ask that you would continue to move us out as your army of hope dealers. That we would be the light and the salt in this world. That it would be seasoned and we would be good ambassadors for you so people would know your goodness. In our everyday lives, Father God, that we would minister to the one in front of us as we go. We thank you for the good news that we are free. We are justified through you. Nothing we did, everything you did. And we are a thankful people. So Lord, use us as change in your pocket, as chess pieces on your board. Use us however you see fit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to AZ Vineyard Church's podcast. We're located in Goodyear, Arizona. To learn more about our church, visit our website, azvineyard.com. That's A-Z-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D.com. 